It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vader's his father. They're allergic to water. She's her sister and her daughter. You watched it wrong. Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Watched It Wrong. This is Wade. This is Siggy, and uh, we are here in day 67 in the Lama household in social distancing. Hoping you're all doing well. Hoping you're doing well there at the Carney household. Well, we're, uh, how are you holding up over there? We're two days ahead of you, so we're doing great. Oh, you're doing no. an awesome. You're no, having no, no, no. an awesome time today. <laughs> How, how did you spend your day 69, Wade? <laughs> my day 69 was spent. Um, my day, no, it's been, we've been um, handling it pretty well, um, given that we haven't left the apartment in over two months. Um, like we have a rooftop deck, so we're able to get a little sky. But I have a nine-year-old, and um, he's handling it well enough. But these past this past week has been trying for all of us. We're all a little on edge. We're all a little... Stir crazy, a little snappish, but otherwise, otherwise doing all right. Yeah, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us are experiencing something similar. Hopefully, you out there are um, able to find some times to relax, either watching movies or listening to podcasts in which Wade and Siggy discuss movies. Hey, we are giving one to you right now. Aren't Will you, you lucky? Enjoy? And you're in for a treat this time, because all the other times sucked. You are. So, uh, so Wade and I, um, uh, as we often do, we're discussing what movie should we do for our next podcast episode. And um, I had had a hankering, and I think Wade had had the same, to do something on uh, Jennifer Kent, because we both were big fans of The Babadook. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, been really excited to see The Nightingale, which was on Hulu. And I'm like, I'm going to watch The Nightingale and we're going to do a Nightingale episode. And, uh, and I was like, then, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and then I was like, wait a minute. I like The Nightingale, but the more I think about The Babadook, like being trapped in your house, like icky, nasty substances threatening you, like the whole... Well, it's just both of those movies about it's about processing trauma and uh, and terrible things uh, threatening your family. And I was like, oh, that's going to be a great one to tie into the whole COVID-19 pandemic. Like, OK, let's do the Babadook episode. And then I just couldn't just I couldn't couldn't. Yeah. Couldn't sit down and watch the Babadook again. <laughs> as, as brilliant as that movie is, like, this is not how I want to spend two hours right now is. Is subjecting myself to the Babadook. So we like, no, we're going to talk about a fun movie. Yes, we need fun. a feel good movie to make us feel good. We need a movie about friends getting together. Yes. Friends going out on an adventure, mm-hmm. going to crowded, strange houses and making out with people they have just met. <laughs> Or have have been seeing from a distance, but are just getting closely acquainted with for the first time. We're going to do Booksmart. That's right. So here we are doing Booksmart. We're also going to talk about a bunch of other movies. Bunch of You might also want to see before you listen to that part of the episode. But for now, (laughs) we're going to concentrate on Booksmart. 
And we will not give you warning what those will be. You'll have to literally remember where this save this podcast so you can go watch these other movies and come back. That's just that's we're the, just so, like that's the convenience. Swipe over to the episode description where I will list them for you <laughs> if you want to do it that way. So Wade, yes, tell me what you thought about Booksmart. In summation, <laughs> however you want to do it. I really love Booksmart. Um, I was. Um, uh, the two leads, I've always been a fan of. Caitlin Deaver, especially. I've been a fan of her since Justified. Actually, even Party Down. Remember, she was, she played, um, it was Escalade, right? She, her name was Escalade on Party Down. Uh, uh, Megan uh, Mullally's daughter on that. So funny. I've never uh, seen Party Down. Oh, Party Down. Party Down is the best show ever about giving up on your dreams. It's <laughs> the best. And it's, it's staggeringly awesome. Um, wholeheartedly recommend that. It's only two seasons. Check it out. It's fantastic. Um, and so, uh, and also, you know, um, but to me, Booksmart's uh, crowning achievement is the f- the feeling that, and what I'll always I'll always be grateful and. Uh, um, and and warm fuzzy when I think about the movie is its central conceit of you got people who to, who their whole life said well, I'm not making a mistake I'm not screwing up I'm going to play by the rules I'm going to do it right we're going to get into good colleges and have great futures and then they kind of find out that all the people who they were looking down on who were who were popular but ultimately known to throw their lives away got into all those great colleges too <laughs> that they. Yeah. They looked like the fuck-ups, but they were doing just as well as they were. Revealed in a fantastic bathroom scene in Booksmart with uh, maybe my favorite line in the movie, even though it's not the funniest line in the movie, is like, uh, no, we just didn't only care about school. Yes! (laughs) The great delivery by Molly Gordon. Molly Gordon. Someone who pops up in a lot of things we're going to about to talk about tonight. Like, <laughs> yes, that's right. She, uh, she's fantastic in this. Um, perfectly cast. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it really, it, it really, that anger, that revelation, that, that lost time really does so much to fuel the rest of the movie and validate most of the stuff that you see that comes later. It's, it's, I, I was very happy about that. And, um, it obviously had a lot of um, inevitable comparisons to Superbad, which is one of my favorite right. movies, um, for noticeable reasons. I mean, even Molly, you know, played by Benny, is played by jo- Jonah Hill's sister. <laughs> so it's. Um, oh really? Yeah, that's Jonah Hill's sister. Oh, they just have I didn't different know that. names. But more it's just like <laughs> like to call this the female Superbad is doing Booksmart a, a, a great injustice, even though. Even though this, the parallels are there, there surely are. But I, I would not call this a quote-unquote female super bad. Well, what? Um, uh, why is it its own thing? Well, I mean, there's not... It's not necessarily the hot dog is not a sandwich comparison. <laughs> but Because um, I'm going to make the argument as this episode goes on that this uh, this fits into like a genre or right. subgenre, right? So, it, I mean, it's like saying... One Western is just a... It's like saying Bad Girls is a Western version of Young Guns. Right, exactly. Which, it's like, well, no, they're they're Westerns. 
I mean, I, it did it did look like a female version of Young Guns, but I didn't see it, so I don't know. So your 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 example, your poorly chosen example is the example that disproves the proves the rule. <laughs> Wait a second, I'm getting my metaphors turned around. Well, I'm going to say um, uh, the idea of um, not partying. Uh, in school or taking enough risks is a theme I can relate to. It's mm -hmm. not one mm -hmm. I, it's not one that occurred to me on the uh, last day of high school. It was many years later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I had a, I've had a very happy um, uh, high school experience once I found my, you know, my, once I found my people. Um, but, uh, but that's not the only thing I can relate to. Like, so the movie opens mm -hmm. and it's Beanie Feldstein listening to a motivational, <laughs> CD, and I only know she's listening to a CD because the uh, closed captions, uh, the CD. subtitles say it's a CD crackling sound, which I didn't know CDs crackled, but <laughs> this one Sony. does. And uh, it's the voice of Maya Rudolph, mm -hmm. which I did not recognize, but spotted it in the credits there. And uh, and when she's done listening to this uh, motivational thing, reinforcing all of her uh, uh, affirmations about how all the hard work that she's done has in fact made her better than everyone else which mm. is what she wants to believe she takes out a bite splint not a retainer a bite splint mm -hmm. which you wear at night if you grind your teeth and i wear a bite splint so i'm like already i'm on board with this movie <laughs> you don't see a lot of bite splints and it's the first time i can ever remember seeing a bite splint in a movie so i'm like great awesome and then spoiler alert not to jump ahead too far we only get like 15 minutes in we get an auto harp in this movie that's I'm like, right yes, that's right auto harp now she doesn't know how to play it she's playing it you know she didn't take any <laughs> i couldn't i could have you know if hollywood if you need an auto harp coach <laughs> i'm available i'll do it over i'll do it over zoom but just getting an auto harp in the movie already is like it's now in my like top 20 auto harp movies because What's your, number one for it. <laughs> What's your number one auto harp movie? A Mighty Wind. Oh, yeah. Which has two auto harp solos in it. I, I apologize. I, that's, I should have uh, known that. That's that's the mountaintop. I've been thinking about that movie a lot lately. I want to I wanna see it again. It's a great movie. It's a, it's a great movie. Great soundtrack. Yeah. So tell me some things you loved about Booksmart. Um, What's I... distinctive? What's distinctive about Booksmart? Why don't they ever go to a place to buy books that's called the Booksmart? <laughs> that is what you call a missed opportunity. They do go to the library. They, they do go to the library. Lots of library jokes in this movie. Um, I think they have fake IDs to get into the. 24-hour library at the university i think what's distinctive about this movie is that there's not a character in the movie that i can think of that um is ultimately played to be someone you should uh, look down on this movie has no villains this movie has no villains that occurred to me too it's a movie without villains yeah I mean, there's there's certain adversity, there's certain conflicting uh, wants and, and goals. I mean, even <laughs> I mean, even even the pizza delivery guy played by the writer Mike um, 
whose name escapes me. The pizza little guy that turns out to be the, the Valley Strangler. Even he, you kind of like because he's like, guys, come on. What are you doing? Keep yourself safe. Like, yeah, he's still kind of endeared to him. I mean, he's giving them good advice. He's giving them good advice, right. I did have to say, that is maybe my least favorite thing about this movie is that he turns out to be yeah, I was a, little a serial bit, killer. I was a little bit like, hey, wait a second. You know, I would have been, I would have been more okay. I actually would have been more okay if, with it if it had been someone who you saw doing, I mean, not, not to, not to point to Billy Madison as something that something should, someone should implement, uh, emulate. Thank I don't you. like that movie at all. But I mean, Steve Buscemi's character is doing, is, is straight up murdering people. But then in the end, he's doing, he, he, he murders the right person and then he gives a nice wave and you're happy. <laughs> you feel good about him. I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't even, but yeah, I was kind of, I, in a weird way, it, because he seemingly had their best interests at heart, I felt it was a little bit of betrayal that they gave him up. <laughs> <laughs> even though, in, you know, logically, you go, well, if he's killed people, he should you know, pay for those crimes. But then I, I did feel somewhat like a betrayal. <laughs> well, so, uh, okay, I want to get back to that character played by, oh, I just had it. It's Michael, played by Michael, Michael Patrick O'Brien in his only screen credit yeah he's a writer he was a writer who um he's actually he um documented his uh bout with can i think cancer what was it leukemia i don't know he documented it and had they in course and, and and other comedians had a fundraiser for him um but he really laid out all the things that happened in chemo and all these and, and what happened to his body and then he beat it. He he um, went into you know remission, and he he beat the illness. But um, and he I think he wrote for Saturday Night Live. And I think he wrote for other things as well. But he um, he had a web series called Michael Bryan in the in Seven Minutes in he Seven Minutes in Heaven with Michael Bryan, where he would bring like celebrities in, like Tina Fey and other people, and, and get in a closet with them for seven minutes and have an interview. Was um, it at the culmination of a wild night of adventure where he was? trying to get to the party where they were going to have seven minutes know. in heaven i don't know i didn't see too many episodes so i can't tell you but yeah um well he was uh, he was great character yeah he was. Um, lots of great characters i mean the even the people who played the classic school jerks or even the the, the musical theater stereotype <laughs> who i would normally be upset at at that kind of betrayal if he wasn't so damn perfect. <laughs> <laughs> He's certainly heightened and exaggerated, but it's pure. I mean, it, it was like, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it, it, it did feel like, um, you know, we'd like entered a movie where we're like, well, gate, people can act normal too and so or not normal but you know like mm -hmm. not present as flamboyant right right um and so uh we're not going to portray gay people that way in movies although i'm sure it's been happening the whole time but this this is like mm -hmm. here, here's a couple of gay high school students who are not afraid to act flamboyant around other people i don't know i don't know mm -hmm. it just felt like a throwback to me in a way but like in the new 
like it's come around again kind of way. Well, it, it, to me, it didn't feel it. Well, it didn't feel like a um, mean spirited. Um, no, right. Condition. I mean, to me, the best moment of that of of uh, who that's who's the actor he was in the O'Neills, I think. What was his name? The best moment is when he's singing Alanis Morissette in karaoke at the party. And, and in between verses, you know, he's, he's all into it. He's completely immersed. But then That's the slightest sad. noise, he goes, shh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the most hilarious thing. No, it's the go down on him in a theater. Right, right, he, right, right. He throws the microphone. It's... Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's it, in a way. You want to know. It's the celebration of who you are in its amped up glory and and if that's who you are then that's who you are and like i you know no one here i don't think no one here was made to feel bad for who they were or or the you know because our our heroes ended up having more preconceptions about everyone else than the opposite in a way I mean, what, what, what with uh, you know the the monologue from AAA from Megan from Megan Gordon Molly Gordon Molly, Molly Gordon, Gordon yeah from uh, from AAA was like don't when we go to school don't 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 call me that. There's a Molly in the cast and there's a Molly in the character mm-hmm. list, right? Um, yeah, I, 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 you, know, you know what if this movie reminded me of what was Superman. <laughs> <laughs> not Superman. It reminded oh, yeah. me. <laughs> my, I said, I said, did you say Superman? I thought you said Superman. No, I said super bad. Oh, super bad. Super bad. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to get to the uh, yeah. ways that reminded me of super bad, but, um, but it, it reminded me more of like a savage Steve Holland movie from the, mm. it reminded me of like an eighties comedy, but like better off dead and one crazy summer. And um, where it's like filled with these, like an ensemble of characters who are just like being the most extreme version of themselves at all times, you know, like everything is just amped up. Um, and, uh, the, the, the fact that everyone is so weird is like always meant to be endearing and nothing else. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And the character, like I'm really gonna, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and the, the pizza delivery guy kind of reminded me of something you run into in one of those yeah, movies yeah. but the character that really like the character that fascinated me the most in this movie was Gigi. yes me too right i love Gigi. so jared is the um uh the guy who <laughs> wears the gold chain and the t-shirt of himself <laughs> With the t-shirt of himself on it yeah. with the t-shirt of himself on it and you know just like it can't get out of his own way like is trying way too hard to impress everybody he's like the most fake guy and and we're supposed to like be repulsed by him because of how fake he is right he's right. trying too hard to be something he's not instead of just being who he is in, right in, in probably the most uh, unrealistic aspect of the movie and just how much money goes into into his <laughs> endeavors. Like that's like the GDP of a small nation. <laughs> <laughs> and like the whole the whole theme of the movie is you just be the just be who you are, right? Right. Like don't don't try to be something you're not. And he's constantly trying to be something he's not. But then he's accompanied by this Gigi, who's like this. Uh, 
like benign agent of chaos. Oh, that's so perfect. Who just shows up everywhere and is like the kind of character that's always showing up in these savage Steve Holland movies who like they're they're just not they don't belong in this world and they just show up everywhere and just like so chaos wherever they go. You you almost always it's a male character, so it's I'm trying to think of like other examples of where this is cast as a female character or written yeah. as a female character. But um but really seems like a like a Bob Goldthwait or Paul Rubens or you know, one yeah. of the like some kind of character actor would be in that role. Just the person that would would you know shush someone and then back out into the shadows. <laughs> yeah, then, right. And then literally disappear in an otherwise like, realistic movie. <laughs> yeah. Like is visiting us from a different plane of reality. Exactly. Right? Like she Periodically. seems troubled. But then the closer you get, you realize she's not really troubled, is she? She's she is a benign agent of chaos. Yeah. At first you think she's just gonna be a horrible person. I'm like, no, right. she's just like can't be she's just not tethered to this world and its concerns. Right? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So when you when you're able to step back and appreciate people for that, like instead of looking at them as their um as their flaws, but rather look at it as like, look what they look, look at the unique way they relate to this world. Isn't that fast? Isn't that lovely? It's, <laughs> it's great. And this the movie is full of that. And I think that's why there's so much positive energy in this movie, despite the conflict, despite the tension. It's like, I mean, there's just, despite the, the, the apathy of a lot of adults like Jason Sudeikis, <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's it feels very it feels very fun and, and and warm that way. That's the thing. Jason Sudeikis seems to genuinely enjoy being a Lyft driver more than a principal. <laughs> yes. Well, I take that back. That is the one thing I, I really didn't buy in this movie. That 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 two girls who liked to impress their uh, principal, even beyond what he would even want to be impressed by would even dare watching porn in the back of his cab. <laughs> that, that, I said, okay, no, no one would do that. <laughs> even if they thought they could get away with it, it's not going to happen. But they uh, were, yeah. you know, they were studying. They had, they to, were studying. Well, yeah, that's got to use every minute available. If we got to study up. We got to educate. This is how we educate. If you want to ace. Got problem? Yeah. Got to ace that yeah. test. Yeah. That's right. That's another reason how this was separate from Superbad. That sexual super ACT. With, well, I guess maybe not that much. I mean, I was going to say, with the exception of McLovin saying it's in, Superbad is a sex comedy with no sex in it. I, I would even argue that it's not really a sex comedy, but it's... it's um... Except that they're constantly talking about sex. Right. <laughs> but, they're, but they're not really. They're constantly talking about sex, but they're talking about insecurity is what they're... You know, they're talking about how do we... How do we fit in? Like my, you know. Anyway, like 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 the guys in, in the two people in Superbad. What? You promised me you weren't gonna jump ahead to talk about other movies, and you've done it twice. Okay, I'm gonna put a pin in that then. <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't have been prompted with how do they compare to Superbad then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who brought up Superbad. I don't think yeah, it was me. I, yeah, it was me. It was me. But please go ahead. Prove me right. Let's pull you into 
step over that line so then I can prove, I can say you proved me right later. I'm being an asshole. It's all right. I stepped over the line. Um, okay, put a pin in that for later. Uh, one thing uh, I, I had the, the honor of doing at one point was um, I was at a, a V-Day celebration and they, there was a lot of women's rights activists there and Olivia Wilde was there and this was before she was she directed Booksmart. This was probably okay. 2015 maybe, something like that. And um, she told a fantastic story that I thought about all through Booksmart. And what she said was that she was part of uh, Jason Reitman's uh, thing he does here in L.A. where he holds a screenplay reading. And he has a bunch of – it's gathered some internet renown uh, and and local renown where he has actors come in and read a screenplay. And they usually put a little different twist on it. And she was part of the one where they read American Pie – and then swap the gender roles where they just, okay. the men read the women's parts and the women read the men's parts. And what she said was so fantastic was, it was really fun to do. She said it was a blast, but what was really fun was watching how bored the men were, that the men were getting really frustrated that um, they were just kind of bored. They didn't have much to do. Yeah. And they were just kind of sitting there and he was asked for it was over. People came up and said, you know, playing the women's part's really boring. And she goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a problem, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, you know, when watching, I know Olivia Wilde didn't write Booksmart, but in watching Booksmart, I totally know why she wanted to make this movie. Uh, because the, the, the women parts are not boring. The men parts aren't boring either. But no, everybody gets good lines in this movie. Yeah, it's it take care is taken to have even even the dumb guy that Molly has a crush on, the vice president, the the class class vice president. Yeah, even he's got a great scene, Nick. Nick. Even he's got great scenes where he reveals himself to be more than he appears to be, and uh, even though you you kind of start to wonder, is he setting her up? For something, and then after a while, after you know, as the things play out, you're like, no, no, he's not setting her up. He's just, he's, he's just got something else going on, <laughs> you know. He got into Georgetown too, and he got into Georgetown. So, well, you brought up a movie called Super Bad. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk about that. Nah, so, I mean, I'm done. <laughs> This movie was, I mean, Booksmart was, I don't even know if it was marketed as super, like, a girl super bad. Almost every uh, article came out inevitably compared it to super bad. So, yeah, it's an easy comparison to make Booksmart to super bad. I mean, it's two kind of nerdy kids who don't party a lot and are trying to, are on a quest to have one wild night and try to hook up with someone or other. Uh, right? I mean, it's like yeah. they're not just coming-of-age movies, but they fit into like a specific subgenre of coming-of-age movies, which uh, I was trying to think of and come up with the name for it, and the, all I came up with was the BFF Quest, mm. where it's uh, you know, it's it's friends who 
are interested in sex and either the opposite, I was going to say the opposite sex, but not necessarily, right, uh, in this case. And, um, and there's <laughs> a few things happen on the way. They accidentally have, uh, have an unwitting or unwilling encounter with drugs. Mm-hmm. They the law. One of them uh, has a parent that's will that have a, a parent figure who is a Saturday Night Live alum. <laughs> <laughs> um, Often the same one. <laughs> uh, uh, someone or something is named Molly <laughs> along the way. Um, a bunch of these, and so Superbad is like the the big recognizable one because it was such a big hit from. Uh, just over a decade ago, but like just in the last year, we had um, Good Boys, mm-hmm. which came out and has it's the same, it's the same plot structure. It's the same. Yeah. It belongs to that same same subgenre. So much so that it also had the same music in the t- in the trailer, and I think they both have it in the movie too. I think same song. Yeah. Which it, one? It's uh, Nobody Speak by DJ Shadow featuring Run the Jewels. Oh. It's a great song, and it's never unwelcome. But now. Booksmart had it, Good Boys had it, and now everything else has it. Is that the new Green Onions? It's the new Green Onions, uh, and then what was the other, or uh, Heavy's How Do You Like Me Now, which came up out in the mid-aughts, or uh, late-aughts. Yeah. That that just like, suddenly everyone was like, oh, this is really cool. We should put it in everything. (laughs) And then that band will never get another album because no one wants to buy them again. Because we've heard it too much, but it's funny how running. Hey, the... now you're a rock star. Yeah. I I do. Oh, all star, all star. <laughs> See, before it's already. I haven't finished. heard it enough. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> not, it's not quite ingrained. Some um, can I can I tell you just a quick aside that's attached to nothing. I took a screenshot of the Mystery Science Theater episode Atlantic Rim. Of uh, that I wrote. This thank you so much for this, and I tweeted it at Mystery Science Theater, and I said thank you. This this never fails to make me laugh harder than anything else, and it's just the shot of um of a beachgoer, a guy sitting on the beach, jumping up out of his chair real quick, but he looks a lot like the leader, lead singer of Smash Mouth, and so Jonah Ray just goes somebody once, and that's all it is because it's the, the, the cut the cut happens too quick. And I would, and I just, I tweeted that out, and then within a little bit, Jonah Ray retweeted it and saying, um, "This is the height of my professional career right here." It's like, oh, whatever. And then, you know, I, I didn't know how sarcastic he was being, or whatever. But then the sweetest thing happened. Another one of the writers, uh, she tweeted me uh, back and said, "I was in the room when Jonah came up with this joke. I've never seen him so happy." <laughs> that really made my week <laughs> to, to, to know that <laughs> and all it takes is some all i think about i think about it all the time just every now and then i go somebody wants and it never fails to make me laugh <laughs> um super bad where were we <laughs> So super bad. I wa- I rewatched Super Bad this week. Oh, good for you! Lucky you. To prepare for this conversation because I when it came out, I saw it and I loved Super Bad. I right? saw it like eight times in the theater. It was really and what this... I needed at that time. 
and this is like really early in the Judd Apatow like taking over the comedy universe. Yeah, it was right? like film three, I think. It was Forty Year Old Virgin, then Knocked Up, and then Super Bad. Yeah, and so we hadn't gotten right. sick of it yet. Right. The thing I remember seeing an article that um, had said uh, su- about about a review of Super Bad that said. It's got it's twice as raunchy as knocked up with about half the heart. What? And, and the first time I saw it, I kind of was like, yeah, I can see that. And then I saw it a second time and I'm like, what are they talking about? It's and, and then you see knock up again and it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth these days. Like knocked um, up does? Yeah, knocked up. And like um well, not so much that, but you it's not it's not that it leaves a bad taste, but what it is 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 is, is it is a very and Superbad could be the same could be said about Superbad is that uh, and ultimately it is a very conservative story and um, just just with tons of boob and vagina jokes thrown on top. And um, what do you mean? Conservative story? Well, Knocked Up is a story about no matter if you and your partner are compatible or good for each other you need to stick together to keep the family unit for the, for the child. For the sake of the child. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, not just, like, let's co-parent, but you're going to be man and wife and have a nuclear family, traditional family, and that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, at, at, at its heart, that's what the movie is ultimately saying. And um, while that's fine, I guess, I don't really have a huge issue with it other than the fact that... Um, I feel sad for those two people that will eventually be miserable. Uh. <laughs> I mean, but Seth Rogen has shown by by wanting to support the child, he's shown that he's got such a big heart that yeah, we've all what lucky that. lady wouldn't fall for that what, what naked wouldn't, celebrity loving schlub. <laughs> wouldn't already just be predisposed to. Uh, all previous uh, lack of rising to the occasion <laughs> to color any other movement he does the rest of his life. Um, so, but but to think that Superbad just have half the heart of that movie is insane to me. That review, if you can't tell, scarred me because Superbad is in my top ten movies of all time. <laughs> so I rewatched it this week, and it didn't make me laugh nearly as much as it did the first two times I saw it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the 10 years in between. um, And I think it was just that, like the Judd Apatow brand of, of comedy, like just wore thin Mm -hmm. for me. It's just like it, it just seen that too much. Um, It's so it's easy to forget like how brilliant, like Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah's performances mm. are like, I can remember, I think I said it to you after I saw super bad, like Michael Sarah stick is like so specific, but he never has to do anything else for me ever again. Like if all he does is do that same Michael Sarah stick for his mm. entire career, that will have been a good career. Well, I think you said he's like WC fields. He's perfected a persona, like the, a very particular persona it, it can't be better. He's done it. Now, yeah. I've seen him in other things even before he, he did um, Rest of Development. He's got more range than people think, but I think he's only asked to do that. 
<laughs> right. People are like, I love that so much. It's perfect. Why wouldn't we use it? And then it tires out. And by the time Nick and Nora's playlist came out, people were kind of turned off. And then Scott Pilgrim happened, which is utterly brilliant. And everyone's like going, nope, I'm, I don't want to see Nick and Nora's playlist again. Infinite Nick Nora's infinite playlist. And it's like, uh, that's not this at all. <laughs> and that was sadly. I've got my. I've got my problems with Scott Pilgrim versus the oh, universe, yeah. but that's another episode. That'll be another one. Yes. That'll be a nice contentious one. Um, <laughs> the more I watch the movie, the more I fall for Bill Hader's performance, the more I fall for Seth Rogen's performance, the more I, um, but from day one, I think the distinctive mark of this movie, be, aside from its cinematography, which I really like. Um, oh, don't, let me, don't, I don't want to forget the actress who plays Becca. That's a fearless performance. Uh, the girl, that oh, Jordan, yeah. the girl that uh, Michael Sarah likes, her her drunken attempt at a sex scene is one of the most is the one of the bravest things I've ever seen. <laughs> she's magnificent, and Emma Stone is amazing in it. She made me believe that she actually would like to hang out with Jonah Hill. She's you know that that was her big breakthrough, right? That's a big breakthrough. That was, that was her star-making turn. But I think I think the thing that never gets cited as the reason why this movie, apart from Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's script, which they wrote when they were, they started writing it, I think when they were thirteen. Yeah, that's right. Um, apart from their script, the the thing that doesn't get cited is director Greg Matola, and what this. I think it separates from the other Judd Apatow movies is that this is not directed by Judd Apatow. It's directed by Greg Matola, who did the day trippers and Adventureland and um, other indie movies. And he is a phenomenal director. And so when I saw that he was, I was a big fan of the day trippers. And then when I saw he was doing this, I was like, well, wow, he's doing this. Okay. I'm interested. And sure enough, it's like, I think super Wait, bad day trippers was before super bad. Yeah. Ah, oh, that ruins my whole thesis. Well, not my whole thesis. Because all the movies I was going to talk about, I thought they were all by first-time directors. Ah, uh, nope. Well, Good Boys and Myth of the American Sleepover and Booksmart are all first-time directors. Well, Good Boys might even be a bit of a misnomer. Uh, well, not misnomer, but might not fit that category either just because Gene Stupinski's been around well, he's a writer the, producer for so long. Directed television for a lot. Yeah. But yeah. It's the first movie. First feature for film. All these yeah, people. exactly. First feature film. No, 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 not. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Matola. Yeah, he's not. We can't. You, Wait, we cannot. Don't try to elevate television to the medium of cinema. No, oh, if it helps break down your argument, I will. <laughs> <laughs> no, um. Yeah, but yeah, but the, I think that's the distinctive mark of Superbad opposed to all the others is that he didn't direct it. And uh, granted, he had his fingers in it. But and it's funny, you know, as much as I love, you know, was Over the Moon by 40-Year-Old Version and Locked Up when they came out, the ones that really stick out to me are, and I'm not trying to slam Judd Apatow, but like Superbad Pineapple Express and uh, uh, Walk Hard, I think, are the real highlights of that whole Ap- Apatowiverse and um, he's mainly an influence on that. And, I'm, and, 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 it, and it's funny, in, in Pineapple Express, where the movie starts to break down is when you see his influence. Because I know there was a lot of things in Pineapple Express where Apatow was like, you've got to put an anti-drug message in here. And you're, like, you're kind of like, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm not really pro-drug, but you 
it, when he when he says, I don't know if you uh, noticed the the scene where they're yelling at each other at the phone booth, and, he, and Seth Rogen saying, I don't know if you noticed, but we're not very functional when we're high. That was put in to. That was a big argument, from what I understand, uh, to try to Apatow to try to put a little bit of morality into their exploits. When a you mm. could see they were kind of bumbling idiots the whole time, but part of the joke of the movie was that their their uh, marijuana infused paranoia served them well throughout the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like everything they feared that they thought that we all the audience thought was stupid, actually helped was accurate. So like, well, in, in Superbad, it, it, it ends up having a pretty teetotally stance, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's taken as, it's accepted on face value that uh, people shouldn't hook up when they're drunk because they're not being themselves. Yeah. Which is just fitting into the larger theme of just, you should just act like yourself, right? Yeah, like, don't so. try to be something you're not. Uh, yeah, because what was so, what was so uh, foreign to Jonah was that Jules was interested in him when he was just being himself or like enjoying his company when he was just being himself. And then when yeah. he was putting on all these things and getting drunk and here, you don't you want to get drunk too? And she's like, that's when he started to really turn her off. Just his assumption that she couldn't like him unless she was too yeah. drunk to, to remember that she doesn't like him. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Which doesn't sit well, like on, on this latest viewing, the, the police stuff with McLovin, Christopher Mintz-Plasse is great mm-hmm. as McLovin. It's a funny character. A lot of the business with the cops is, is funny, but it really just like, there's, it felt like too much of it. Like it, it's, it keeps trying to threatening to like overtake the movie. Yeah, and it's I, the, I will agree. And it's the part that like is least true to the th- theme because the cops are spending you find out that they've spent the entire movie putting on an act for mclovin who they know is putting on an act they know he's not mclovin we're not dumb right we know you're not 25 years old but they um there's not like a moment where he he has to in this come-of-age movie where everybody has to have a revelation about themselves, Christopher Mintz-Plasse never has that revelation. He doesn't. Like, his revelation is, no, I should lean into this McLovin thing. I get to be whoever I want to be. I'm going to create this identity, and by the cops acting like I resisted arrest, I'm going to look cool in front of my friends through this act of dishonesty. Like, yeah. it really undermines the whole message i i have i have had some issues trying to square that storyline because it is supremely fun and and the i read some other critics saying that it was the superior storyline and i was like i no i don't think so but it's super great but you're right the um it it ends with it just ends it's like there's no there's no real arc he gets to one place and then stays there uh well maybe but like you can make an argument that they that they they at least leveled with one another but then they doubled down <laughs> on on uh, on that and you maybe you see the birth of a new trajectory i'm curious i'd be curious to know if anything was cut uh, on that uh from that storyline because it seems strange that 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 they were 
they thought enough about having the cops put on airs for a kid that was putting on airs because they all needed something out of it. Um, but yeah, the, the it does strangely just kind of end because how does that storyline end up wrapping up with the storyline of Seth and Evan and Jules and Becca, right? It right. doesn't. It's completely parallel. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie about growing up that features these two cops who have refused to grow up. Like they are pointedly, pointedly refused. They, they, their whole thing is that we're going to keep acting like adolescents. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially, I think my two favorite moments with the cop, cops are when, well, I'm sure I'll say four more favorite moments with the cops. But <laughs> my favorite moment is when they're shooting bottles or shooting stop signs. And McLovin says, can I, can, can I shoot the gun? And then without even thinking, Seth Rogen goes, yeah, sure. <laughs> Here you go. Knock, you know, just like, just hands it to him, you know, without, without a moment's notice. It's almost like, it was, and then the other part is when they're in the, we're in the bar and he says, uh, they're watching the playback of the, um, of the robbery of McLovin getting punched. On VHS. On VHS. And he says... And like, whoa! And he goes, Harry, why don't you keep that? You gotta keep that tape. And he's like, Don't you need this for evidence? And Seth Rogen goes, Only thing that's evidence of is you can take a punch like a champ. <laughs> and just, just the, the way he says that is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what is one of my favorite things ever mm. is from the moment. Jonah Hill carries Michael Sarah out of the party. <laughs> yeah. Till the end of the movie with the little cop interstitial with McLovin in the parking lot, oh. wrecking the car in there. Mm -hmm. Just snip that part out. But all of the uh, Seth and Evan business yeah. from the point where he rescues him and carries him out, cradles yeah. him in his arms to the end is in my probably my top five movie endings ever yeah it's just like so beautifully every just every detail of it like the the performance the writing performances direction everything yeah. it's just beautiful beautiful statement about friends like realizing how much they mean to each other realizing it's okay to express that yeah um and that it's also okay that they are going to drift apart. Yeah. You know, yeah. that they have to, that they're going to have to take separate paths. It's, and it's, I cry at several points in this movie, but the end, I absolutely do with that. When that realization beautiful. comes beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Story. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, perfect ending to that movie. Wonderful. I, and uh, yeah. Oh, uh, go ahead. I'm going to bring oh, this back to book smart. Okay. I was just going to say that um, Evan, is someone I identify with more than I'm comfortable with saying. <laughs> I mean, this I, is... I mean, I, I have, I have in therapy said, you know, super, you've seen super bad Evan. That's who you're talking to. <laughs> and my favorite, um, this is the Michael Sarah, character. Michael seven character, Michael Sarah character. My there's in a thing that might exemplify uh, with too many moments I can think of in my past. Where um, Michael Sarah at the beginning, near the beginning of the movie, where he's telling his story, his lies about, uh, which I didn't do, but he's trying to trump himself up to be more 
you know, he's telling the story of what he and Seth and, and uh, Fogel did the night before. And yeah. it, it's, it's completely, you know, it's completely lies. We see the montage of what they're actually doing. And he says they went to a nightclub <laughs> and talked to someone who thought he had written some books <laughs> or, or thought he was a professor or something like that. And then, and then Becca, who's clearly into him, says, you know, I'd, I'd like to maybe go to a party some, like that sometime. And then Michael Sarah, not even looking at her, goes, I'm glad, who wouldn't? I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, it's no, just, that it's, was it's definitely so, me in high school. Yeah, it's so... Inc- <laughs> like, even though you are so desperate, to, you lo- like this person so much, and you want their attention, you want to give them their attention, you're... you're it's such inconceivable that, that would be reciprocal that you can't see it. It's like it's like the the story of the natives. It's, just, not it's also terrifying. Columbus. It's terrifying. Yeah. 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 And so, like, um, yeah, I love that. I love that more than anything. <laughs> that might be my. Yeah. And just the way when he acts, like him accidentally punching her in the boob, isn't that funny? No. Of a gag to me, but the way he like stares over her shoulder after he does it <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> Um, the thing I really loved about um, Superbad was, as I was saying, they really, their dialogue was so high frequency funny. And I always felt like, yeah, that's how we sounded as kids, right? Not, <laughs> no, no, we didn't sound that way. That's how you felt. That's how we yeah. felt we sounded like, right? And, right. I, and I remember, even though I'm always uncomfortable with conversations about porn, and I don't just keep porn out of movies, and I don't know why, uh, I didn't know that the Superbad was a movie for me. <laughs> When Jonah Hill says, well, I'm sorry, Evan, that the Coen brothers don't direct porn like to watch. <laughs> like, that just, I go like, okay, this is, someone wrote this for me. Um, but then I always love the reminders that you're watching kids. Because these guys are in their 20s when you're, when they're making this movie. I mean, what did uh, Seth Rogen said? I'm like three years older than Seth. Uh, than, uh, I'm three years older than Jonah Hill. And I look like he could be his dad. <laughs> <laughs> and um well what do you think about the ending the 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 ending of Booksmart as opposed to like the ending of Superbad like I I mean I'm I cried during the end of Booksmart I did both times but what did that ending do for you well so there's a similar kind of falling out um mm-hmm. it's kind of at a different point cuz we're already at the party and they're already gone their separate ways. Like, um, uh, uh, what's, uh, Caitlin Devers character's name, Amy, like Amy, go off and pursue Ryan, the, Mm -hmm. the girl that you're, you're hot for. I'm going to talk to Nick. Right. And then, um, then Amy finds out that, uh, Ryan and Nick are in fact (laughs) schnoggin in the, in the kitchen. Right. Mm -hmm. But they both thought that they were, uh, had a chance with these two. And so she calls Malala. Yeah. Which I don't know the term Malala. Is that a thing? That's or Malala, that just a thing? the the woman, the, the the young girl who was. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't. Tell. Malala is a real person who. Um, oh, the Pakistani. Call, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I can't. Right. I'm sorry. It's like, like, that makes they, it funnier. Might, they should be uh, Malala. That uh, you know, she stood up to all that. It was, she was standing up for women's education, right? Yeah, right. I guess and, Taliban, right, the Taliban. or uh, something like that. Um, and, right. Right, right, right. So yeah, so they call him Malala, and uh, honestly, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because because one is done in a it's done in a very impressive one shot. For, it's a, it's amazing. It's an amazing feat. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, she get, it's one of those one shots that I'm like, oh, now they're doing a one shot. But, you know, like it took me, I think, the second viewing to go back and go, wait, that was in one shot to her getting out of the pool and going into the party and then going into the thing where they're having that argument and the beautiful thing of them taking out the sound and you just hear the tension. You don't hear the argument. Right. Because you're like, it I kept wondering matter what was... the argument is. Right. It's, At some point, the details aren't don't matter. Right. The details don't the, matter. Right. Right. That shot, the great performances. So you're yeah. getting a, you have to get a great take from your two leads, and they give a great take. The camera crew has to be technically flawless. Right. Yeah, this like it's, uh, uh, choreographed camera move, right? Like mm-hmm. it's and my favorite kind of camera move. Okay, there's so many directors. It drives me nuts that when they Okay, uh, if we're going back and forth, the camera's dollying. If we're mm-hmm. moving side to side, it's tracking. tracking. Yeah. Okay. Tracking shots are almost always done wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I hate, hate, hate it. And there are some great directors who do it a lot. Scorsese does it a lot. Mm-hmm. drives me crazy. Uh, Wes yeah. Anderson does it a lot. drives me crazy. Well, what, what's, tracking, what's doing it wrong? What is it about doing it? What's doing tracking it wrong? and the camera's... Uh, is never pivoting is never uh um panning on its mm-hmm. axis as it tracks and so you're mm-hmm. just your um the point in the background is like is still parallel yeah. to the track the entire time yeah and so it, it just always looks blurry and jittery yeah and i can never focus on what's happening in the frame it's like nothing ever unless someone's walking with you then you have a point to focus on where you have some smoothness of motion mm-hmm. but it really doesn't matter how it's projected the background is always going to be jittery and fluttery you have to you have to pan mm-hmm. along with your track so that you have a fixed focal point that you're sort of rotating yeah the the lens around if right? i if i may and this camera move in book smart in this scene mm-hmm nails it like that's how you do it you have to have that kind of swiveling motion around a focal point well, in the scene yeah tracking. well they're on a steady cam right and then when they get to the argument they just kind of stay in that area right but you can i mean you yeah. can do it on it i've seen i've seen yeah, ones yeah. where they do it on a track you just have to you gotta you gotta pan you gotta pan with it yeah, yeah no it's 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 way way more effective way better and way and not visually grading to do that in my own experience, I've done a lot of one-man camera things where I'm on a dolly and I'm on a track and I'm trying to do... I remember doing this one thing in a small room. I was trying to dolly up on just a book or something like that. I was trying to... Do, I was dollying and moving and I was had a... I was trying to focus, rack. I was trying to I was focus, turn. I had to adjust the iris at one point. Yeah. And I had to... And I was on a dolly. And, and I had to zoom. So I had to do all these things at once. And I was getting very down on myself that I couldn't do this. I'm like, why can't I do this? I guess I'm not a cameraman. And then someone had to remind me, you know, Wade, in a real production, there'd be five guys doing all these jobs. Right. One guy would just be doing the focus pulling. One yeah, guy's right. doing the focus pulling. And of course, yeah. that, that's a, if one guy's doing this, one guy's doing that. You're trying to do it all at once. And... And like, it's hard. It's almost impossible. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, I'm not stupid for thinking it's possible. I'm stupid for thinking it was possible <laughs> and planning this whole shoot like this. So I've just wasted all this money now, you know. And so... Um, you have to be like an octopus playing the drums. Right, <laughs> exactly. 
And so, um, but the focus pulling is a is a uh, career that I am so envious and baffled by, uh, uh, because these guys, a lot of these guys, don't even have a monitor. They're just looking, and it's like they're not watching. They're not looking at the screen. It's like they're not they're not watching the, the what the scene in front of them. They're literally like seeing an imaginary feet meter, you know, just your imaginary yardstick, and going, okay, that's what. And they just got a little remote, and they're just judging it on spatially. And I'm like, I, how do you do that? I had to focus pull on the back of a uh, uh, camera crane car at Willow Springs doing Fast and Furious cars. It was in the back of a of a um, of a really cool camera car thing. It was my first time doing this and we were driving around the tracks and, I, and I'm like, none of this is in focus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a little monitor. I was looking at it and I was like, we were one of five people. There's a guy, one guy driving, one guy turning the arm, one guy turning the camera and then one guy operating the functions of the camera and then me doing focus. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm ruining it all for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a it's a skill I don't have. Was it? Did it end up being in focus? I, it's it's well, it's all it's, it's only a Walmart exclusive, so no <laughs> well, one will know. know. <laughs> 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 but it was a cool thing. It was a really cool day, and and the coolest part of it actually is, uh, and I was watching Ford Ford v Ferrari, going, I've been there, I've been there. Um, Stood on that track. Uh, the was um, as they were packing up the car. They had a, the the camera crew who was awesome. They, the the well, the cameraman Dzak is amazing, and then the um, the camera Alan Palford, and it was his car and stuff like that. And their their camera uh, camera car crew was awesome, and they were packing it back up in the in the truck. They had a hard out at four because they had to get it to Cleveland to shoot on the Winter Soldier, and I'm certain. That what uh, that what they were shooting was the Fury, um, the assassination attempt on Nick Fury, and is that car chase through through DC slash Cleveland, and so when I watch that scene, there's some just glorious, some of my favorite shots of the movie are in that sequence, and I'm going, I sat in that car, I know I did, <laughs> that got that shot. So anyway. Um, nice. Trip down my memory lane. That was only that was only nice for me. So thank you, everyone. Um, but well, yeah, another so, thing I loved about the shot in Booksmart yeah, yeah. is that other people are creating their own memory lane. Because another thing they had to yeah. choreograph in this shot was the gradual uh, iPhone flashes yes. popping up in the background, where it's like real subliminal at first, and like, oh, wait, wait, everybody, everyone's watching. watching. Oh, everyone's getting on their phone, and you know, and then we're like pivoting back and forth between between our, our uh, the Beanie and Caitlin, and uh, and and they're giving this great thing, and then uh, performance, and then like you said, the the dialogue gets gets faded down. I'm like, did they even plan that? And like, because that's a hard take to get, right? And, right to get all pull off like well maybe somebody flubbed the line and it's and they just decided well we don't need it at this point and yeah and it they felt, faded it out and it was like a good choice in, in post either way it's brilliant it's it, one it of those lightning really in a bottle things i think where like who knows maybe they did maybe they did uh have something where it was like oh something's not aud- audibly perfect how do we fix this this is the best take 
And yeah. then he sat, and then they said, well, we'll make it work by doing this. And then it turns out to be better. Or it could have Or maybe very, it's like, it's just too long. It plays too long. It plays too long. And like, or maybe it gave more threads. Maybe it had lines in it that were th- for story, for storylines they cut. You know, maybe there was references in it that didn't make yeah. any sense. Like, like in the Goonies, the octopus was the scariest part. What octopus? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, uh, maybe it was some one of those things. Uh, or like, maybe it was a Bob Ross thing. You know how like I, I talked with this about my son all the time. Every time I watched the Joy of Painting with Bob Ross, he'd paint this amazing vista that was just glorious, and then he'd go, "Hmm, I got an idea," and he'd take a palette knife and cover yeah. like a third of the thing in black. Have I talked about this on the show before? Yeah. Well, my sister and I would always have the same reaction. We'd, <laughs> you know, we'd be watching it as kids, and we'd be like horrified. No, no! he ruined it. He's never, he's never pulling this one out. Yeah, you're not coming back from this one, Bob. I don't care what you do. <laughs> you done did it now, and then sure enough, he makes it even better than it could have was before. Yeah, he makes right. that into a stone ledge that you're looking over from a greater height. You were like, almost done, Bob. Yeah, like, what were you doing? It was like, is this some weird masochistic, you know, I can never be fulfilled kind of thing you're doing here? Like, what is it? And then, like, you just, no, I just, I knew, I figured out how to make it better. And you're just, and, and, and that was one thing. I mean, I've had certainly things I thought where I'm, where I'm going, this is my favorite thing in the whole movie, but the movie's better if I just take that out or obscure it somehow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it heightens it. It, it heightens, heightens it. it. And so, you know, if you think about it, you know, it's those, what seems like anti-cinematic choices, but are the most cinematic. Like in, like in our previous episode when we were talking about Joker, we were talking about in uh, in uh, Taxi Driver, where Scorsese, where the camera, the most pivotal moment in the movie when he's looking at when uh, Travis Bickle's calling Sybil Shepherd on the phone in the phone booth, and the camera literally can't watch anymore, <laughs> and moves right. away. You know? Oh, yeah, it's like that. We can't listen. We can't listen to these two friends. Yeah. We know little of each other. We can't listen to them tear each other apart. Right. We can't. Yeah. All we know is it hurts too much. You know, it hurts too much. I can't you, take Whichever it. way you try to get to the result, like it was a brilliant choice yeah. to get to a brilliant result. So mm-hmm. great, great work, Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Fantastic work. I'm very excited to see what she does next. But for, from that point forward, like... Um, well, some things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy hooks up with uh, what's her name, the tall, tall yeah. girl who insults her in girl. the bathroom. Who's been insulting her the whole time? Which I, I have to admit, I did have problems with the first time. I'm like, what? And then I go, well, okay, I, I guess I see it. <laughs> I, I see her. I, 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 I get the jumping at this moment in the bathroom Mm -hmm. like sloppy seconds kind of moment culminating in a drunken vomiting on one's (laughs) uh, (laughs) attempted uh, romantic uh, another uh, point of comparison with super bad right if you must like I, I understood that it was ending up with her at the end of the movie I did not buy one bit like, oh, I don't you, oh, you mean the two. the promise of a of a future dalliance? Yeah, I don't. Like I, her, wouldn't, I wouldn't say they ended up together, but there was like 
you know, something else could happen maybe in the future. Look me up. Or even coming by the house like the next day. I didn't buy that. I didn't buy that. I mean, you get it, you get the payoff of Beanie Feldstein hilariously reacting in the in the window. <laughs> that was a good gag. I like. I enjoyed that a lot. But it, I wasn't buying it. I wasn't. Yeah, buying it was hard to buy that scene. Uh, I, I mean, from I, I have to try to think of it. Sometimes it's my own limited experience slash perspective. But like, and I chalk it up to them being kids. But like, you know, Michael Sarah not wanting to help Becca when she's thrown up and being more disgusted that he's been thrown up on. And she says, go get Gabby. And he just goes, oh, okay, I'm going to go Gabby. And like, it's not like, let me help you. Well, you are right. You're obviously sick. That my instinct is to rush to them where he's like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that bothered me, but I have to chalk. I tried to chalk it up to him being a kid. And the same thing here, you know, it's like, She's just thoroughly disgusted that she's been thrown up on her vagina, I guess. <laughs> it's just and, and like in that, I mean, maybe I'm just a little too accommodating, but maybe I'd be like, it's all right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I mean, I get Amy. I get, okay. I mean, part of me wants to say Amy would see that this isn't her type. This isn't, you know, she's been infatuated with ryan skater yeah. girl for a long time she's not she she's not gonna suddenly... rage fuck somebody <laughs> i'm okay with the business in the bathroom she's, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, she's yeah, an yeah emotionally well yeah passion's complicated hot. place you know, anger and passion anger is a passion or whatever you know I you know that. hormones are raging she's she's got herself worked up next morning though i would like to think like i don't even like this person right. like she's always mean <laughs> yeah. to me you know, uh, except I I do understand that if like this is this is her first time kissing a girl, and that will have a lot of that'll raise of a lot of complicated issues. And you'll you'll part of you doesn't believe you'll ever get to kiss another one. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, yeah. like you wanna and you wanna like try to experience that the right way or whatever. Like I could I can see it from Amy's point of view. It's from. Yeah. Tall, cool girl's point of view, I don't see it. Who has already been down this road, I'm sure, right? Yeah, like, what a, What about that experience? Like, in the bathroom, like, okay, uh, sure, fuck it, I'll I'll, I'll fly with this, but then... Hey, like, what? I kind of liked being vomited on. Maybe she'll do it again. Maybe, like, yeah, maybe she... <laughs> maybe she had, like, a two-girl, one-cup kind of fantasy <laughs> that we don't She's gonna know She's going to go about. home and watch Stand By Me and get my groove on. <laughs> Yeah, I just I, I I wasn't buying that. But other than yeah. that, though, I thought um, I thought I I kind of wasn't buying. I wasn't buying Jared just showing up at the party, seeking Molly out in that moment, and like conveniently revealing <laughs> suddenly himself. Able to, suddenly able to be self-aware and yeah, suddenly dropping his entire facade like at the most convenient moment in the plot. With no, yeah. with I no mean, ramp up. <laughs> we certainly wanted him to, but I don't know why he decided at that point. I mean, maybe, maybe actually, I think about it. I mean, he did sit down and start talking about himself, but I gotta check this maybe because I got it up right here. But maybe the thing is, is that he had a moment to think about what somebody else was feeling for a change. Is that maybe what happened? 
Like, why? I don't know. I mean, this the going back and watching the beginning again. Like, there are little seeds planted that he is. He does have like a special thing for Molly, but it really feels like him walking into the room and saying, "I'm here to plug the hole in your story." <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh, the screenwriters hey, have figured out. That's the only thing out, men are good for, really. <laughs> the screenwriters have figured out that I can complete Molly's character. And so here I am. Who was the screenwriter? My that's what it... Oh, that's it's Emily Hampern and uh, Sarah Haskins. Oh. Yeah. Although I did really like the business of him at the commencement giving her... her <laughs> giving her speech. For her. And I loved it. I liked his thing yeah. about Gigi being like the most loyal person he yeah. knows, and like I liked that. I, I liked, liked that, that a lot because it really made you go like it's it's it made you realize it wasn't an insufferable relationship. It wasn't a indentured servitude. It was yeah. It wasn't abusive. It wasn't abusive. It's was like she's right. the most generous. Yeah, she's just you know you care for someone you you put in the effort. Like he he sees Gigi. And accepts Gigi for who she is. He has also this whole time been seeing Molly and accepting her for who she is. Right. But he just wasn't accepting himself. He wasn't. <laughs> but like, there's nothing to get him there. Like, it, it happens entirely off screen. Like, whatever. Right. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. Yeah. Yeah. What What might have changed for him to make him uh, do that? Let's Let's uh, cite him as a. Um, Something to talk about in in another movie we're going to talk about later with another particular character that I want to bring up. Okay, but, all right, I'm excited that. about that. This is our secret. This is the movie we haven't mentioned. Yet. I know this is our secret, secret surprise. Gem here we got. Uh, which I'm going to list in the show notes because I want people to watch it before we get to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, stray observation about Booksmart. I love uh, Amy's parents. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Lisa Kudrow might have the best line reading in the whole movie. I know. Well, they, I know they, we're one. just gonna do Korean face masks. I don't need to know all <laughs> the words. <laughs> That's a great one. Also, um, you are oh, you're beautiful, and smart, and brave. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, their intent is we want them to be strong and independent and happy and healthy. It's just uh, I don't know how to. I had expectations which aren't being fulfilled. And I'm going to manage those. But then I also don't want to make a misstep and I'm completely out of my element, you know, as a parent. And so to watch them navigate those waters was um, really divine. <laughs> In one measly scene, we get them. But uh, Lisa Kudrow is just perfect. But Will Forte plays the father, the doting father. He, he also does. plays a father in a very similar film that had a, the same song in its trailer <laughs> and shares more castmates. That's a book smart, which is Good Boys. Good Boys, which also has Molly Gordon mm -hmm. playing a character named Molly. She's the Molly who is <laughs> taking Molly. Who's taking Molly. <laughs> and then Molly, Molly, Molly. And then we have um, Will Forte again as Max's dad in the first scene, who's so proud that his son has began masturbating. <laughs> I saw Good Boys in the theater over the summer, was summer when it came out that that year. Was that was that last year? Or was that two yeah, years 2019. ago? Yeah, twenty nineteen. 
Of course, maybe that means it played in a festival or something, and I don't know about. It. <laughs> I've been burned uh, by this before. <laughs> Throws all your metrics off. Well, th- well, then again, you've been burned by this before only if you're adopting my parameters, right? My parameters was that I'm judging this based on what was available to me in the year of the year. If it was not available to me, then it's not part of that year because it couldn't have been. Couldn't have been considered, you know? For the Academy Awards. Right. Right. So, um, I mean, I think we're going by the Academy's criteria there. Okay, fine. You got me. <laughs> it's like it's a big Oscar dick lately. Um, Good Boys. I uh, What was your impression of Good Boys? I, I had a um, simple yet complicated relationship with Good Boys. What was yours? Explain. Well, okay. Well, I asked first, and then I tagged it up, and I thought, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, in that I enjoyed Good Boys. I really did. I had a fun time at the movies. Um, it took the the super bad element of how raunchy kids are or think they are, and also how innocent they are at the same time. Um, it's hard not to really appreciate Lucas, but also how effective certain social programs in schools can be because he seems to parrot them all. <laughs> um, so Lucas, uh, so there's the, the three friends. This is three friends. This is three a three friends. friend movie. Although Lucas is kind of the McLovin. Well, he's not really a McLovin in this No, there is no. It's really all three of them. The beanbag boys, right? The beanbag boys, right. Uh, Lucas is the, <laughs> um, the most... Uh, like pathologically honest, yeah, right. <laughs> and, and he's got a high pitched scream. He's got a he's got a funny high pitched scream. Okay, I, I there's a sweetness to this movie that uh, is very appealing to me, but I'm not convinced that it's 100 percent honest. Um, like it doesn't feel like it's on the level, which is weird because what I like about movies like this is that the humor, I mean. They like to say, "This is look, the joke is that it's the incongruity, kids doing nasty things. But the truth of life is that growing up in an, and, and being naive in a genuinely nasty world is the experience that most of us, have, that everyone has. We're trying to navigate growing up in this world where actually nasty things happen and nasty things are wanted. <laughs> and they're widely available. And how do you... You know, you know, when you're innocent, you're finding out about these things and you, you kind of want to find out about these things, but then are also repulsed by it at the same time. That's very potent stuff for a movie and prime for high comedy. And so I appreciate that this movie doubled down on how sweet these kids are, how innocent these kids are, how they think that sipping a beer will destroy, <laughs> chemically alter them. And it's such high pressure to the point that they're daring each other to drink a beer and he's making, he's desperately sweating, finding any excuse how to get out of it. Trying it's to like, break the record of three sips. Right. <laughs> the record of three sips. It's beautiful. It reminded me of that great Onion article of, of uh, children uh, set aside entire afternoon for smoking cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> they plan a whole day of smoking cigarettes. You know, it's like that. 
to break the the record of three zips and like how he goes oh i got my rehearsals my auditions for the musical today you know they 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 do they do drug tests for beer <laughs> you know and like that that sort of thing i love it i really do but but something overall made me feel like it wasn't well so i i i'm going to take a stab at what i think you're getting at with good boys and how it's kind of betraying its own <laughs> values um i'm going to start off by saying i hated this movie (laughs) (laughs) well good you can direct me into this i i hated good boys i thought the i thought the jokes were terrible for the most part (laughs) um like i was 20 minutes in and i really i really wanted to bail on this movie i really wanted and this is my idea to bring this up i'm like oh it's Mm -hmm. it's uh produced by uh, the writers of, uh, of Superbad. Like, it's the same plot thing. Yeah, but it it's, written by, it's written by the writers of Year One. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's written by the writers, but it's produced by the writers of, of Superbad. Let's like, watch uh, Superbad. Uh, from the, people who, the jokes are actually written by Year One guys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and they also did The Office and that sort of stuff. But, yeah. They did my favorite Office, American Office uh, episode, The yeah. uh, Dinner Party. But um, mine's business school. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. So like I, I was taking notes. So the first joke I thought that was not terrible <laughs> was 18 minutes and 50 seconds in where Lucas says uh, they're debating about whether drones are toys and like, well, they can't be. They sell them in a toy store. Of course, they're toys. And then Lucas says, my uncle flew drones for the army. Now he has crazy nightmares and diarrhea. <laughs> it didn't make me laugh, but that was the first joke. I'm like, okay, that's a joke. Like, well, well, that, that was not, that was delivered competently. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. Like, I, I thought a lot about the movie Dodgeball when I was watching this movie, and I couldn't figure out why, and I recently figured out why. I remember I seen it with with our friend Vince, and I I laughed all through Dodgeball. We walked out, and I remember he said, "So, what'd you think of the movie?" And I go, "I hated it. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen." Yeah. And he goes, "You were laughing all through it," and I go, "Well, what do you expect from? I mean, the movie every joke is about trying to get just a reaction out of you." Like, none of it makes any freaking sense. So, yeah, I'm going to laugh when I see a bar is called the Dirty Sanchez. That doesn't make it a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's certainly, it's not witty. It's not clever. It doesn't put me in a good mood. <laughs> now I'm thinking about shit under my nose. <laughs> and um, there's only one joke. It has, that, like, nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do with like, the plot. There's only one joke in yeah. Dodgeball that I like. Yeah, he's the Ukrainian person that that uh, Good White hires to be the team, and then the Dirty Sanchez throws the ball so hard, and it hits someone who's against the jukebox, and he falls over. And then the, Ben Stiller goes on monologuing, and then it gets to Justin Long, and he leans over to another teammate, and goes, "I think that guy actually might be dead." <laughs> you see the guy still laying down on the floor. Like that was the only thing that really that genuinely made me laugh. Everything else was like. It was like someone punched me in the face. 
and that <laughs> which, was all I got out of it. Which makes you make sounds that sound like that laughter. sound like laughter, but more like God. They're like just guttural reactions. That um, yeah, I hate dodgeball. I re- it's a very confused <laughs> movie that not only wastes all its opportunities that it has, and it has many. Uh, it also is just completely confused on what it's doing, what its politics are, what lesbianism is. <laughs> Doesn't seem to know, um, but um, Good Boys. I thought about dodgeball during that because I had a similar feeling, but I felt felt better about it in a way. I felt like it didn't make me mad. It made I still enjoyed my time during it. But similarly, it was kind of like I'm howling with laughter. But was that really funny, or was that just <laughs> like? Oh man! Shocking. Um, I yeah, I was not I was not buying this at all. Like the kids, bless them, bless these kids. I thought I thought Brady knew in his Thor was pretty decent as like a child actor in this part. I thought the Keith L. Williams who plays Lucas was okay. Jacob Tremblay, I haven't seen Room. I understand he's very good in it. I didn't think he. I didn't think this kid could deliver a joke. Like it wasn't I, something that, he could carry. He couldn't carry this movie. Yeah, I thought he was t- uh, just bad casting. Like, it was. It was. It was star casting because apparently he got a lot of acclaim for that. Yeah. Yeah, he just comes off as whiny, and that's not the writing. I just like here. I wrote this down as like what I thought was like the like median joke for this movie. <laughs> like the most representative joke was someone tells Jacob Tremblay he's a misogynist. Or we'll tell everyone you're a misogynist. And he says, I've never massaged anyone. Like that's for me, like that was like, that's the kind of joke you expect yeah. from, from good points. You know, unless you think kids saying fuck or funny, right, yeah. like sixth grade, sixth graders talking about blowjobs when later you find out they, they don't know like how to kiss. Right. Like but if the, you think that's that, funny. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's funny, but I think that's real. I think people, kids were talking about blowjobs long before um, they ever even t- held hands with anyone. I, I do, and the, like, and the, and the 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 okay, but there is a, there is a scene in this movie. I, one thing I did appreciate about the movie was, um, and it just escaped me. So I guess it really wasn't anything to, <laughs> to be appreciative about. Um, so I'm gonna backtrack on that and go to this thing that I've been dying to talk to anyone about. There's a scene in this movie that makes me think this movie should either be rated X or illegal. Okay. <laughs> and it's the CPR doll scene. Which is uh, well, not which a one? There's more than one well, scene. It's the first scene with the sex doll. It's the scene where, they're, where they, they tried to watch porn to figure out how to kiss and realized they didn't even kiss. <laughs> I thought that was a funny joke. That was kind of funny. Although, watching sixth graders watch porn was not <laughs> enjoyable to me in no, any way. No, but, and what, but here's what's less enjoyable. This the next scene, even though it's, even though it's acting, it's a film set. It's not real. But it's the scene where Jacob Tremblay's. They said, well, we'll practice kissing on my dad's CPR doll. And it turns out to be a sex doll. But they don't know it. 
which later comes in way too much into this plot. <laughs> yeah, my... they really milked the sex doll. <laughs> they certainly did. I did feel bad for Stephen Merchant, who is really a great performer. And then I'm like, what are you doing in this yeah. movie? Just like they milked the S&M gear that they find in their parents' closet right. and then just like keeps getting peppered into the... Right. The movie, and that's the that's the final image of the movie, right? Them on the SMN swing, SMN yeah. swing, and you're like, okay, is that really? You thought that was so hilarious after everything else you did? That's this is the most hilarious thing to go out on. Yeah. Um, but so Jacob Tremblay, you know, is which it which is kind of sweet. He goes in to try to kiss the doll, and then Lucas says, "No, you can't. You have to ask his consent first. So they go through the consent. Will you let me kiss you? And he kisses her. And they say, how was it? And he says, sticky. I thought he said salty. But he said sticky. And then he goes, he reaches in his mouth. And he goes, and he goes, he goes, pulls out a hair. And goes, why is a hair? Why is there a hair in her mouth? And I immediately went, uh, I, had a, I had a mental shutdown. I was at war with myself. Because if I had to write a scene, right? If I had to write a scene where boys were trying to learn how to kiss on a CPR uh, sex doll, which let's just say I had to do that. <laughs> Gun to your head. Gun to my head, I'd do that. That's a reality I couldn't not address. That probably the dad doesn't clean it out. And that might be a factor in there. That would be a reality that I would either have to address and I would feel like I wasn't being honest if I didn't bring it up. And there's humor in that. However, we just, you just had actual children, not 25 year olds playing high schoolers, actual children in a scene where everyone watching it is to believe that an adult semen is in his mouth. Part of me went that. This movie should be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> this whoever let this go out was not thinking. Like it was, it was. I was extremely uncomfortable with that. I mean, like, yeah, it's not real. They were kids on the set. It's just you know, it's not actually happening. But <laughs> conceptually, you're going. I just watched a minor. I mean, in Jackass 2, they had to censor in the movie theater. They had to censor that guy drinking horse semen to get an R rating. And yet this is, granted, that really happened. But still, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I <laughs> it mean, bothered I... me. It bothered me is what I'm saying. Yeah. We put it... this actual child in this position for our amusement. Even though it wasn't real. We put this actual child in it to make a reality where I would do that, where it would be for my amusement. And I, I wasn't comfortable with that at all. It really bothered me. I was already kind of there just with them, <laughs> like, them putting these words in these kids' mouths. You know? Yeah, and, well, that's always been having, an issue with me. Me having to watch them actually do it. Like, the opening scene is them riding their bikes and talking about how, cool. now that they're in sixth grade, they're all going to get hand jobs. Right. And then we find out that they don't know what hand jobs are. Except sometimes, like, the movie's, like, really inconsistent about some, yeah, about what they're naive about. And, like, a lot of its humor is a lot of the, like, jokes, right, are 
about them being naive and not knowing what words mean, not knowing what massage yeah. means, not knowing that what the word anal. So when they see anal beads, they think it's anal, you know, and they think it's like a fancy, like Coco Chanel or something, <laughs> right? Which um, is honest. I mean, it's stuff I deal with my own son every day. I leave, I leave my anal beads all over the, all over the house. <laughs> but then like... No, uh, but I mean, that sort of wordplay, you know. That yeah. Something and then do. there's like the shock value of them like talking casually about things that sixth graders shouldn't be talking casually about like getting hand jobs right and it's not done in like a oh remember when you were in sixth grade and and you were curious about these things it's really like it's supposed to be shocking and uh like the uh, like a grotesque kind of humor that it's sixth graders saying these outrageous things right uh, but uh, but yeah but at the same time in its defense i remember being at IU gifted and talented camp in in fifth grade and having very similar confused conversations about this about what is sex and what is this and I thought there was just hair there no there's not just hair there well so you do it there's something there yeah no in the back well what's in the back well that's called butt fucking you idiot <laughs> those are conversations that I've had and been a part of like tampons you girls put them up their butts to stop them from having babies. I'm right? sure that's what was said. I mean, I used to tell a joke, and maybe I've said this on the podcast before, but I used to tell a joke at length and I, I, that now I'm, I'm convinced that junior high comedy is the dirtiest, most filthiest comedy of, all to, of any comedy out there, and it's only augmented by the fact that it doesn't make any, it doesn't apply to reality. Because it's all confused as to what you're actually talking about. There's a joke I used to tell with some regularity about a guy having an affair with a woman, and her husband comes home, and he, she goes, "Quick, get into my closet, hide in here," and it's the closet where she throws all her used tampons. Like that's a thing. And then the husband says, "Hey, uh, you know, I think I saw this episode of Hoarders." <laughs> And then the husband says, hey, guess what? We're going to Hawaii. And the wife's like, great. And they pack a bag and they leave and they go to Hawaii. And then three weeks later, she comes home and then she's got her lay on. She takes her you know, Hawaiian lay off and, and starts to unpack. And she goes, oh, my God, I forgot about Dave. And she runs over to the closet and she opens it up and he's still in there. It's like, Dave, are you, are you okay? And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, I'm fine. You know, if it wasn't for these jelly donuts in here, I would have starved. Donuts. Right. That's my point exactly. That is a real joke I heard and told a lot. I bet I even told it to girls. <laughs> and so, you know, you grow up and then you realized I'm a dipshit. <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about at all. And so, so that's why I, I kind of have a fondness for movies like Superbad and Good Boys in the sense that I'm like, yeah, we were, they don't, they know the words, they don't know what they mean. I See, I, I think, I think there are different kind of gags at work in, in Good Boys. So in, mm. so there is the naive, we don't know what we're talking about, like the tampon joke. Women stick it up their butts to stop them having babies. Like, right. that's the joke. They that's don't the know what, how tampons work, right? Right. They think they do, but they don't. But a lot of the humor is just them talking dirty. That's and true. Look, and that's part of the... 
it's sixth graders talking dirty. And when in super bad, when it's presented uh, that they're talking dirty, it really is like putting you in the point of view of these characters who like, yeah. this is what it was like to be at that age. You're obsessed with sex. You're just like exploration. It's like right. a status thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's like a whole, it, your hormones are raging and like, this is what it's like to be that boy. But I didn't feel like it was presented that way in good boys. I felt like I was supposed to be giggling and right. tittering at the fact that it was sixth graders talking this way. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, I, I have a similar issue with Intelligate Dega Knights, the two redheaded twins that just curse at their grandpa. Like everyone thinks that's the most hilarious thing ever. And I'm like, it's just a kid saying bad words. Whereas you go to super bad and South Hills, <laughs> Jonah Hill is trying to tell Seth about how the reasons why he, Neat wants to subscribe to a particular porn site versus the other going yeah but perfect 10 it could be anything it could be like a you know it could be on the if it shows on the credit card as perfect 10 then that could be like a bowling site you know and, and he gets the card and Seth goes he because yeah, yeah but he that one doesn't show himself. dick going in which is a huge concern for me <laughs> right like that to me that i mean the, it's not the going in line. It's the, which is a huge concern for me. That's the funny part. That's the part that makes me laugh. It's, it's inviting you into his point of view. It's right. inviting you into, exactly. Whereas otherwise yeah. it's just, hey, let's look at a kid saying fuck. And that's funny. And no, it's not. Right. Yeah. Just like, you know, like in book smart where they... <laughs> You find out that she's been masturbating with a panda, mm -hmm. not because, not because she doesn't know how to do it any other way. It's just that she's never done it any other way. Right, and she's never done she's it. She never any used way. her hands to masturbate. She always used a panda. Right. And so it's like, well, what at what age did she start masturbating? And then she's like never stopped <laughs> doing it that way. Right. Right. That's Isn't just that the like, way. It's. <laughs> Like there's a there's a backstory there that doesn't even need explaining to you. You just know it's there, right? <laughs> like it's it's baked into the premise. Whereas I, these kids, like I don't, I, I, no, don't know. I just felt no, like I was meant to gawk at them a lot. Yeah, of the time. exactly. Now let me let me let me explain. If I said I enjoyed my night out watching Good Boys, what would I give it as a letter grade? I'd probably give it a D plus. I'm not saying you shouldn't have enjoyed it. I'm telling you, I didn't enjoy it. Like I thought it was. I, <laughs> I'm I, saying it's 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 not. I mean, I, I shouldn't call it D, but I probably give it a C minus. I'll give it a C minus, um, because it did it did attempt to inject a sweetness and a and a innocence that I don't see much. And well, so, and, so let me let me let me say a little bit more. Okay, I'm going to bring this back around. I think. Okay, first the first successful comic beat for me in this movie at the thirty-nine minute right. forty-second mark. This is a ninety. Oh wait, eighty-nine the, minute. The movie, eighteen the minute mark was when you recognized as a comic beat. That that was like it wasn't even it, it didn't make you laugh. Like good, you just it wasn't a good beat. I'm like, <laughs> okay, that was uh, that was competent. That was competent. All right. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thirty-nine <laughs> minutes forty seconds. They're in the alley. Um, uh, Lucas has just had his arm uh, put back in a socket. 
Oh right, I forgot. They pull his like his, his arms hanging loose, and then he uh, he confesses to his friends the fact that he's been hiding. He says, "My parents are getting a divorce," and Thor immediately says, "What'd you do?" <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, there, right there." That that's that was joke. good comic timing. Like that was yeah. you know they got <laughs> you they got the beat of that right. <laughs> You know, and like I and I understand the point of view. I know where this joke's coming yeah. from. Like it, it's also got the a, the element of naivete. I'm like, okay, that one worked. All right, fifty-four minute mark. The three boys are confronting the only villain in this movie. So this is we said uh, Booksmart didn't have any villains. Right. Superbad only has one villain. Yeah. And that is the spitting kid, the kid who spits on yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, it's not even Kevin Corrigan who comes out and beats up um, uh, Joe Latrulio. It's it's no, it's yeah, only he's the kind spitting of kid. <laughs> yeah, he's totally just. And Joe Latrulio isn't even a villain. He's not really a villain. He's a fool. He's a fool. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so, really, the only yeah, you're right. The only bad guy is the spitting kid <laughs> with the mullet, who's on screen for all of thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and that weirdly. He's on there for 30 seconds, and yet I get great satisfaction with Bill Hader smacking him in the head with a billy club. Yeah, right. right. Like, I don't know how they achieved that, but I really like it. Because, well, you know, we've all known that dick. Like, we all had to deal with that guy. <laughs> we all had to deal with that you know? guy. And we all wish somebody would smack him in the like face. Like, if, if he had had any more screen time, it would have diluted our sense of our own guy that we knew. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Okay, so 54-minute mark. They're confronting a bad boyfriend who's uh, a college mm. student in his yeah. frat house. And um, his name is Benji. So Lucas is African-American. He's black. Benji mistakes him for someone in his college econ class. <laughs> and I'm like, is that actually like a really smart piece of satire in this movie? <laughs> like... <laughs> you know like in that right. one line of dialogue and there's like you don't even get time to react to it like they just move on from it but the fact yeah. that like he sees a black sixth grader and like oh hey i know you from econ class like right like oh all black people look alike to him black <laughs> kids look older age, age is not a factor Just well you know like alike. there's studies that like for people see black kids as right. older uh and and impervious to pain compared to 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 reality mm-hmm. um so i'm like oh that was like a that might have been a smart moment that was good <laughs> and then there's a nice another um <laughs> another good comic beat here again by uh, this one's by lucas <laughs> because benji says him you can suck my dick and you can suck my dick too he says it to the two white kids and then right. lucas says that it's not a white black joke but the, the lucas says um what about me? Am I just going to sit here? <laughs> and that made me laugh. That made me laugh out loud. Uh, and then they immediately ruined it because he, then he, he follows that up with another line. Like, we're the beanbag boys. We do everything together. I'm like, ah, that, that ruined yeah. it. <laughs> so it, it, it makes me mad, though, yeah, when you're like, okay, so you can do it. <laughs> so, yeah, but you, can't, you can well, be funny. So then they get the drone, or they get the money for the. They get the drugs. That's it. They get the Molly. Mm-hmm. Then they meet the um, the other girls, and I want to get back to these girls. Um, yeah, because they're not villains per se. 
they're not villains, and I think they should have been. Yeah. I want to I get back to this. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. Because um, I think this gets into where uh, the movie betrays its, itself. Okay, well, let's do it now. Yeah. Um, so the like the central <laughs> this movie is kind of has a weird plot structure because the kids don't have one quest, you know. I mean, I guess it's true for the other ones in Booksmart and Superbad. Super yeah, they bad. they have different quests that are joined at, to a point. But that like, yeah, I mean, they want to get to the party. They want to have a wild time, but they really. You know, Amy really wants to get together with Ryan. They want to fulfill the things they've been denying themselves all the time. You know, they want to, they have, they they kind of have the same quest, but different goals, you know. Yeah. Good, good boys is, it's not as neat a structure because like a lot of no. it is about this drone that they have to replace so that he doesn't get in trouble with his dad. Kind of so he won't get grounded and so he can go to this party and kiss this girl, but it's not really like established that that's going to happen. Why the mom never notices that the drone is gone because like more than a day passes. Whatever. Anyway, they have to, to get to replace the drone. They have to acquire drugs for these two girls, the neighbor girls, Molly Gordon again, and then uh, I don't know who the other actress is. And Molly Gordon's really good in this. She's good in both movies. I like her a lot. I hope she she she's quite she funny. She's doing quite a bit. Yeah. Um. She's got a great. And their whole thing is <laughs> so. The, so the kids, like you said, the kids are like surprisingly sweetly earnest. In that they, you have to ask consent before you even kiss a, an inanimate quote cpr right. doll right yeah, didn't, didn't you hear that in assembly <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're very serious about the fact that you can't do drugs even though they're sipping beer but like the other two are like kind of aghast that thor would right. would go so far as to take three sips of beer right they're 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 very steadfastly anti-drugs the the two girls who are like they're antagonists in this movie are very sympathetically portrayed in fact they're set up molly has a bad boyfriend like we're already on her side because her boyfriend's a jerk to her right they their whole thing is they want to take drugs and have a party all weekend (laughs) so they're in pursuit of the drugs that the the kids are steadfastly trying to deny them Right. And it's just like I don't. This movie like doesn't know where its point of view is on this. It feels to me. And this is this is is this like where you thought like maybe it was betraying its values because it's trying to present this. It's trying to show like these kids are really warm-hearted and sweet and good kids. They're curious about the sex stuff. They're growing up. They're going through changes, but they're they're really good kids. Right. But part of what makes them good is that they they don't want to give drugs to these girls. <laughs> and these girls really want to take drugs. <laughs> is there like a black snake moan comparison we can make here? <laughs> Ooh. I liked that movie a lot. I was I only saw it the one time. Um I don't it's know. Like, You're What's a bad girl, snake? I gotta chain you to a to a irradiator to get the devil out of you. 
You know, there's a like, lot. There's yeah. a lot going on in that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot of exploitation being turned on his head there. Um, I just, just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's. I, I, I think maybe, maybe I don't think I went that deep with my analysis on it. Maybe because I feared thinking about this movie too much. <laughs> but like. <laughs> But like I, I mean, I think my my uh, idea of it kind of betraying itself was more along the lines of the fact that oh oh that's it. It's like it's made by Matt Dillon's character in um, in uh, uh, there's something about Mary. Like, like, but not not entirely in in the sense that you know what I loved about Matt Dillon's character in in that movie was is someone who he's trying to ingratiate himself to Cameron Diaz and play the part of a nice guy who cares about other people. But he's in playing that role. He's going to refer to things the way a dick would because he's a dick. (laughs) He's an asshole. And so he's going to use asshole terminology to describe things like, people who are mentally challenged are going to be retards because that's what you call them. So he's not going to think people don't all call them retards. So when she asks, what do you do? I work with retards. (laughs) And I, and you know me, I hate that word. I have a really strong thing against that word. And that is the very first time I ever laughed at that word in a movie because it was like, it was like, you can take the, you can take the asshole out of, out of his asshole town, but you can never take him out full or what's, I don't know. You, <laughs> you, he'll always be an asshole and he's going to use asshole terminology. So like you can take the boy out of the asshole, <laughs> but you can't take the asshole out of the boy. I don't know. So, so, I mean, it's funny because he's using, he thinks he's being a smooth he operator he's being... and he's using this grossly inappropriate word in a way that, doesn't even make sense in the context in right. which he's... But it betrays the fact that he is not that. Because you only can use the words that you know. Right? You can't... You wouldn't think to say mentally challenged if you only think of them as retards. You know what I mean? You wouldn't think... It, it's like, well, that's what they are, yeah. so I'm going to call them that. Right. You know? And so, like... you, So... so to a lesser degree, I feel like, I guess this is me telling them that the writers of this movie are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I, I don't mean that. Uh, they may be very nice people. I don't know. But they, the fact that they made a movie about sweet kids, which is great. But uh, yeah, like you say, a lot of the jokes are them. This is just a sweet kid saying something raunchy. And that's where it ends. There's no... Yeah. Only I'd say about 30% of the jokes, in my opinion, are them trying to navigate this world that's beyond them, that they know some of the words to gain entry to that world, but they don't know the etymology of any of them. And so, like, that's to me where the real uh, 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 heart from these type of movies can lie is that the uncertainty of navigating an adult world? Like, like take the scene that you just mentioned, the uh, the uh, um, 
the the scene where where Lucas is is confused is recognized as someone from his econ class, right? That's a pretty yeah. good bit. That's great. Compare that to the scene where Seth and Evan go to the adult party in Superbad. They yeah. they don't really compare to each other because when they go into that party, there is the there is this the movie makes this overwhelming sense of them. They don't belong here. This is this right. is a bad place. And and, and when the and, cocaine comes out, right. it's like they're in over their head. Yeah, right. When they're walking in, they're like, "This is in my my." I think what might be my favorite line in the movie. I know I said that earlier, but what <laughs> might be my favorite line in the movie. And I quote this constantly is when they walk in there to try to find beer and Evan says to Seth that this is something a smart person wouldn't do. (laughs) (laughs) Like this, like this is, this is going to end badly because we are not, this isn't us. And like that moment, you know, it, it felt so much like that moment when you walk into a, adult party for the first time that you when you're not an adult and you're just like this is it feels wrong you know and so again super bad superiority reigns strong over good boys (laughs) so let me say this in the movie's defense Hmm. once they get the the drone so they have the drone exchange in the park with the girls they hand over the the molly they get the drone from that moment forward, I actually really liked the movie. <laughs> and how much how much of that movie is left? Uh, thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. So it's like right at the sixty minute mark is was when it... they is it's the gag of them flying the the they have to beat the dad home. Because destroying of the house. Yeah. Forte I'm called... not sure how I felt about that. I really don't, and I'm not sure. I mean, I like the idea that the whole point was to get the drone there, and they're like, yay, but in doing so, they destroyed everything. Yeah. I love they, that gag, but... so happy that they think they did it, that they pulled it <laughs> off, and they have no idea that the drone was actually destroying everything in the house while, <laughs> while it was getting there, because they couldn't see, because the soot was covering the the lens. I Just the way it was shot and cut, like, I, I, I thought it was funny. Um, but then, like... The whole bit where they all, they have their fight. You know, here's the, right. here's the, it's part of the formula. Okay, we mm-hmm. have to go through the scene where they have their breakup, the uh, their platonic breakup, uh, so that they can pursue separate romantic interests or, or whatever it is going to be, however it's going to be configured. They're and uh, uh, Lucas gets them back court. together and they go to the party and I really liked the party scenes. I thought, I thought like this is what the movie should have been all along. I thought it was kind of sweet and I don't remember the party scenes. Heartfelt. What happened in them? It's the kissing party. You know, they go to the the basement. Oh. And there's just there's not a lot of jokes in this part. It's just like the story of these kids. It's the story of these kids and like what's it's happening. It's like the story actually unfolding. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like right. we're allowed to, to to like the movie becomes true to these characters for the and just like gives them I don't know it's like I thought it was nice and then they the girls show up at the party and they have a nice scene with the with the drug party girls the Molly girls that's right and then uh, Thor goes on and does his his uh, stage show of uh, 
Uh, I forget what the the play is called. He gets the part in the musical. He's doing oh, drugs what and he doing yeah. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but he's you know we see him shooting up on stage and like oh this is where we're so you know this is where the gag of the kid doing the outrageous thing kind of works because it's because he's playing a character doing those things and he's doing it because this music teacher wrote it into the play because he's trying to tell his story through these kids like <laughs> yeah, now it's working your, for me because like there's a layer to it and like there's an angle to it right mm-hmm. and then uh thor has this congratulations party and we see all the friends are like have their made separate friends already and uh they've they've already moved on from each other but they all still are fond of each other like i don't know it was like their own version of the super bad ending with the escalator with they yeah. so they've already drifted apart and they've recognized that and i don't know like it wasn't funny but it was it was decent i liked yeah. it yeah yeah it's those, those okay. weird movies that and a half don't... stars for the last 30 minutes of that movie with three and a half stars for the last 30 two and a half two, two and a half, half stars for the last last 30 minutes just jump to the last 30 minutes of good boys it's on hbo go you can skip the whole first 60 minutes you don't need any of that um quick uh aside the girl that played uh brixie the girl that uh, max was infatuated with Oh yeah. Did you recognize also a her? skateboard girl? What? So that's another connection to uh, Booksmart is Skate Skateboard uh, Girl is in there? Uh, Amy and uh um Jacob Tremblay. What's his character's name? Max are both pursuing skateboard girls. Really? I d I don't remember her in that. That's We are the first shot of her, we see her they're in a skate park and we see her. Right. I remember that in, 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 in Booksmart. I didn't remember it in Good Boys. But um, odd squad, uh, the um, the girl who plays Brixie, the girl he's infatuated with, is actually on the PBS uh, kids show Odd Squad, which is a fantastic show. Um, and she's just all she's the boss, and she's just very stern. And I always wondered how she actually was as an actress if she wasn't doing the. So I was really weirded out seeing her in this really inappropriate movie. But actually, to that point. I will Millie Davis. Millie Davis. Odd Squad is full of great kid actors. Just the girl who plays Miss uh, Agent Olive is just uh, she's incredible. I, I I can't wait to see what her career turns into. She's just fucking incredible. Um, she's been on Orphan Black too. She was on Orphan Black. Who? What? what Millie Davis or yeah. or Agent Olive? Millie, da- Millie Davis. When was she on Orphan Black? I don't know. I, you know what? I she still played have yet, I still Gemma have, Hendricks. Or I still have Gemma yet to watch the last season of Orphan Black because I don't want to believe that it's over. <laughs> you just want it to always be. I want it to always you. be there. So yeah. I, I, I bought the last set. I had bought the last uh, season of it, and I haven't watched it because I just don't want it to be over. Too many of my favorite shows ended. I don't want this one to be one of them. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Uh. One thing that I did take as one level of maturity, and, and maybe we'll get into this with Scott Pilgrim, um, but one thing I liked about Scott Pilgrim that I felt like I felt like the studio de-emphasized it a bit, but I liked the fact that it was a it was a relationship that the movie was telegraphed to you. This isn't the one that he's going to be with the rest of his life. This is just one relationship 
in what will be a string of many, but what's important is how both of them relate and respond. And he, he grows up and he accepts responsibility and he does all this and, and like, uh, becomes the person that, uh, a, a different, you know, a mature person. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And good boys kind of had a little bit of that in the sense that he works his way up. Max works his himself up to start dating uh, Brixley and he does. And then they quickly do that montage of him being broken up with and crying <laughs> and then getting a new, getting the, the friend that was setting them up and they started dating and then she believes him and he's crying and then being someone else and then he's crying. Yeah. <laughs> and that I actually thought was a pretty mature sequence of like, I really liked that montage. Yeah. It was a great montage. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Say that, that because it, it 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 harkens that like as a kid we think everything is permanent and forever and literally everything is temporary, especially at that age, and so like that was I thought really that was one of the highlights of that movie. I was trying. I agree. I uh, I definitely agree. Maybe so. That's what I'm I'm thinking. Like that last thirty minutes. Uh, uh, put such a warm glow on the movie for you that it uh until (laughs) (laughs) until we revisited it as you remembered it but uh you remember those those last 30 minutes were weighing heavily uh yeah i I was trying to figure out how to rate this on letterboxd (laughs) which uses a five star system and you can go half stars and i'm like okay half stars you just can't go below a half star well if the first 30 minutes is half a star and the second 30 minutes is one star because it had a couple good jokes. And then the last 30 minutes is two and a half stars. That still averages out to one star. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like one and a third. So it uh, rounds down to one star. Uh, well, who, who was it? Was it you or was it Roger Ebert or was, he, was it you because of Roger Ebert that basically said that like a one or one star one or one and a half star movie shows that there is there is something of value in this movie like one or two things the least. Chicago reader rating system I believe ah, uh, right. the one star review it was has redeeming facet like on their like not facets facet yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> I think that was I think that was their definition for the one star review. Right. And I, I like that, but it also throws me into a lot of turmoil. We're like, well, the redeeming facet is I can contrast it with a good movie and find out how what not to do. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> Serves as cautionary tale. No, I don't I'm not sure that's I don't know if that's what they had in mind. <laughs> But, you know, there's always, like, one actor that actually does a pretty good job. And you're like, well, I don't want to piss on him by giving it a no star. You know? <laughs> or her, you know? It's, it's, okay. That's why I liked creating, when I give out my carnies every year, my carny awards, I like doing the best performance in a shitty movie award. Because, you know, it's like the, that performance is never going to get recognized in the legitimate category because the movie's dog shit. But... You know, you should really, you should honor that. Like the person who actually was doing their job. (laughs) (laughs) Or knew what kind of movie they were in so they didn't even know. They had fun with it. And whatever the reason, infused it with something that was enjoyable. 
So you're like, okay, yeah, that guy, that girl, they they deserve an award. Well, I just want to, if I can, move on from Good Boys. I just want to sure. really briefly mention uh, another movie that kind of fits this mold of the the BFF quest mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, platonic young child friendship who go on a 24-hour or 48-hour adventure looking for love and learning a few things along the way. Uh, I want to include uh, Myth of the American Sleepover just because we have done uh, Under the Silver Lake. We're both big fans of It Follows and uh, I can never remember his name. Isn't that David Foster Wallace? No, it's it's Dave. I hate this. It's not David Gordon Green. No, it's one of my favorite comedians is David Mitchell and there's an author named David Mitchell and this director's name is David Mitchell as well, but it's I want to say it's David Cameron Mitchell, but why can't I remember it? David Robert Mitchell? Yeah, Robert sounds... Uh, it's like a two the... first names, three first names, right? It feels like it. David, David Robert, Robert Mitchell. Mitchell. That's why yeah. we can't, because it's like Robert's not really like a memorable If you got David R. Mitchell, I'd probably remember it yeah. better. Or David, the yellow dart, Mitchell. Because It Follows is my favorite horror movie of all time and the right. scariest movie, scariest horror movie maybe I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I loved It Under the Silver Lake so much. I had to check out, finally, I checked out uh, Myth of the American Sleepover. Uh, a sweet, a sweet-hearted movie, which I cannot recommend at all. <laughs> I I really wanted to see it, and I watched... 38 minutes of it I literally fell asleep 12 times during the movie it's you know that sounds about right at one point I and then I it wasn't that I was really that sleepy I got up and then I watched a movie later I just got up and I went into the other room and I watched a movie on my computer which was way worse but I stayed awake the whole movie for you're not supposed to sleep at a sleepover, Wade. I know. I'm some the, you know I'm the nerd that falls asleep first at the sleepover. <laughs> but like, now, yeah, the movie is going to put your bra in the freezer now. <laughs> Stick uh, your hand in water. Yeah, it's a it's I a movie. You know, it. I mean, it, it it's feels good. like I an amateur effort. Like the, I think there's two actual actors in this movie. <laughs> It really feels like it's 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 an ensemble cast of non actors. It's it's pretty hard to. I'm sorry, yeah, you. Pacing. I gotta re, you gotta say what you were texted me earlier today. <laughs> Which one? You said there's only two actors in that movie, and one of them is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the older brother who travels to Ann Arbor, Michigan, to University of Michigan, to pursue the twins that he now wishes that he had had sex with in high school <laughs> and he crashes their uh, freshman orientation in which they're all in sleeping bags and a gym floor like do colleges have <laughs> such freshman orientations I don't know. and then their idea of a wild night is just to run around angel hall at night and like tip over vending machines i don't know it's like it's pretty i think where i stopped watching was when he finally met up with them and I was getting kind of tense but at the same time I was like I kind of really don't want to be watching this right now so I stopped yeah but and the weird thing is is that 
he as an actor I take it back he is a presence I thought was good despite his terrible haircut in that uh, one um, of the worst movie haircuts I've ever seen for a guy movie haircuts yes it's, it's like he's pursuing Nookie the entire movie <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're supposed to like him I think you're supposed to find him likable yeah and, and, and I weirdly did I was really uh, I drawn did. to him <laughs> he was a total until creep until he emoted anything and then I was like well, that didn't work that was out of place so yeah, yeah. they're like but like so yeah I, I mean I I I kind of agree and I kind of disagree, but yeah, something something wasn't going on. I didn't see the whole movie, so I can't I can't really say. Yeah, sorry, sorry, dude. I don't know what your name is. I was not digging. I was not digging that character. Now, as an actor, I've been in a position where I could not stand where my director put me, and only once have I ever like worked against that. But like, um. You know, if I, I can see if you sometimes if you feel like your hands are tied, you feel like your hands are tied, and you're just kind of like, okay. Better or worse at this point, if I acknowledge uh, his name. Worse. No, no, okay, no. I, I won't say it, but uh, the oh, I can't find her name now. But the two friends who are uh, like, we have to go to a party. We've never, you know, I want to make out with somebody tonight. Right. And uh, uh, one of them turns up in uh, Under the Silver Lake as uh, one of the. Um, Hollywood prostitutes. I wondered if that was her. She didn't exactly look like her. She watches herself in the cemetery. She watches herself on screen in a clip from this movie. From this movie, from oh, Myth of the American. I didn't Sleep know movie. that. That's awesome. And she's the best part of the movie by far. She uh, of this yeah. movie, Myth of the American Sleepover. She's she's the the one actor who uh, like has real screen charisma. I like the actress who played the other, the actor we were just talking about with the bad haircut, her, her brother, her, her, his sister. I liked her, but she was I, okay. I didn't see much of the movie, so I can't. Yeah, really I didn't have a problem with her. She was okay. Um, anyway, it's a sweet movie. It ends up like a lot of it is just characters making doe eyes at each other, <laughs> like for long stretches. In ways that it's very sweet. It's very sweet. I, I recognized in it something of myself of like the idea of like I want to do this quiet movie that's just about looks and reflections and and this and that. And then you do it and you realize, oh, I uh, okay. I I now realize there has to be more. Yeah, got it. And then you get a masterpiece like. It follows after that, you know. Oh man, boy, am I glad he kept making movies because yeah. his next two are uh, amazing, uh, amazing, amazing. What a talent! Mm-hmm. He worked out whatever he had. He had to work some stuff out in Myth of the American Sleepover. Room. Glad and he that, did. And that's the like, all artists out there. If you do something and it doesn't turn out the way you think it to, just keep going because because that's what you need to do. That is part of the process. Don't listen to two jerks who have a podcast talking about how much movie sucks. You know, I'm... It's uh, part of the process. I'm glad I saw that final 30 minutes of Good Boys as much as I hated the first 60 minutes. <laughs> exactly. I didn't think it would be possible for me to like the last 30 minutes as much as I did after the first 30, 60. Okay. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Okay. 
if, if we may, and then come back and talk about a movie that I think um, kind of follows the same structure as these four movies we've been talking about, the BFF mm-hmm. Quest, exactly. while turning all of the conventions of it on their ear in some way. Yeah. In a movie Wade recommended to me called Never Going Back. But we're going to go back to talking movies right after this break. Okay, I got to say, I've been feeling bad, and I feel like I gave Booksmart the short shrift. I didn't mention, like, it's the hardest I've laughed at a movie in a long time. Yeah. Like, I really, I mm-hmm. really love Booksmart, and it lifted me out of a deep funk I was in. But the movie I'm really excited to talk about is never going back. Yeah, me too. Even though I don't think it's as good. <laughs> yeah, it's well, the... I, 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 I think I'm, I'm on similar footing. Oh, cool. All right. Um, uh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. What, what do you want to say? I, w- I was just curious. Did you, I, I assumed you were going to just take a quick break and come back, but I, I also thought, are we going to pick this up later, or are you are you still up to still up to talk oh, about it? Oh well, we could. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm fine. I just I'm, know it's late. I'm good there. to go. If you're good to go, I'm good to go too. Yeah, let's let's keep All going. Right, cool. All right, bathroom time. But bathroom time proved to be too much for us, both of us. <laughs> so uh, this episode is now concluded, and stay tuned for the next episode where we discuss never going back. And uh, it should be noted that we don't discuss never going back till a full month and a half later. Um. It's quarantine time. This is a different kind of life than we're all used to. <laughs> but uh, we are so happy to be talking about both books, Book Smart and Never Going Back. And I hope you tune in to the next episode. Coming right up. Because we've already recorded it. Because we love you. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We love you. Good night.